Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Well, today I have Marcella Johnson with me as my guest, and I have really been looking forward to this. Uh, Marcella and I, we met, I'm thinking it was 2014. I can't remember for sure. I think that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Dave and I went out to San Diego, and our connection was this incredible, weird God thing, because somehow we found each other on the internet, and we ended up calling each other. I don't even yes. know how that connection happened. And we're talking and sharing our experiences and our stories with each other. And I heard about this comfort cub. And, it, and you said something about San Diego. And I went, wait a minute, where, where, where do you live? And you said San Diego. <laughs> I said, we're going to be in San Diego in two weeks. <laughs> this is crazy. So we met up and we spent a day together. And it was a wonderful time. And it was like this instant friendship connection. Yeah. yeah. And you have something that is very, very special. So I want to turn this over to you, Marcella, and I would love to hear your story about okay. your loss okay. and what that turned into, how that developed. I'm, I'm going to let you tell what it is. Okay. And, and so I should make this brief, huh? I mean, how long is it? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So um, my story begins when I was six months pregnant. I found out that my little boy that I was carrying had a life-limiting disease. And um, they told me that it was not compatible with life and that he would um, die shortly thereafter birth. And along with the obvious emotional pain you'd expect to experience when your child dies. And by the way, I'd like to say that they told me at the time um, that I was given the diagnosis, he had something called osteogenesis imperfecta type two. And um, they told me that he could, what that is, by the way, I'm sorry. What that is, is it's a, it's a bone dysplasia where your, your body doesn't produce any collagen and collagen is what makes your bones grow straight and strong and grow at a normal pace. So there was nothing wrong with his, his brain or his internal organs, but it was his skeleton and his chest that his heart and his lungs would be growing at a normal rate, but his chest would not be large enough to accommodate them. And they were fearful that he could have a heart attack any day. Um, And then they told me that if I was lucky enough to make it to term, that he would be killed going through the birthing process uh, because his bones were so brittle that he would be crushed. The best case scenario was that he would be born alive and he would die shortly thereafter. But they absolutely didn't think that was going to happen. But um, it turns out that he did come into the world and he was born alive and he was breathing and I got to hold him and hug him and tell him I loved him. And um, it was actually a very, a very spiritual time for me, but that's for another, that's for another podcast. No, um, I want to hear this because there was a piece in there when we were together that you told me that I would love for you to share with the listeners about your prayer. What happened was um, I was working with San Diego Hospice and um, I think my husband and I were actually one of the first families in the United States to be a part of what's called the um, perinatal hospice. And that's when your baby is still in utero um, and you find out that 
your child is going to die. And one of the things they help you to do is they help you put together a birthing plan. And that's to let the uh, medical facility know what, what your plans are um, with your child. And our nurse set it up so that we could meet with a neonatologist to make um, an educated and informed decision about the measures we wanted to take, whether he was stillborn, whether he was born alive, do you want any heroic measures, that kind of thing. And he said, well, let me tell you about what happens. For the first 15 minutes of life, whether your child is healthy or otherwise, God, that's what I would say, God to this audience, Mother Nature, sure. whatever, <laughs> to somebody else, but God has a plan in place because he knows that that's a very rough transition from the warmth of your mother's womb out into the real world. And um, so there's your body sends off these natural endorphins that acts like a natural painkiller um, for the first 15 minutes of a child's life. But after 15 minutes, he said that um, the pain would come in and the pain would come in strong because he said that it most likely would be the case that the, my son would, his bones would be crushed during the birthing process and broken bones are extremely painful. Mm. That after 15 minutes, the child would need to um, be given morphine. So that was our birthing plan was that um, we did not know whether George would be born alive or not, but we, we didn't want them to take the baby away immediately. Even if was, he was stillborn, we wanted to have him put on my chest so I could hold him and feel the warmth of his body. Um, but that after, um, should he live after 15 minutes, we wanted him to be given a shot of morphine, cleaned, wrapped up, and then handed to his father. And um, so our prayer was that George would be born alive and that we'd be able to see him, but that he would not suffer. We were lucky enough that George was born alive. And when he came into the world, I felt a presence um, come into the world with him. And it was very peaceful. And I got a sense that, you know, I, I heard the Lord say to me that this is a gift to you um, to meet your son. And um, you need to know me better. And this is just a sense. I wasn't, I, this is my conversation. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. hearing anything audibly. Like an but impression. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, kind of and, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, I do know you. And he said, well, actually, I said, yeah, I, 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 I do know you. And he said, well, it's not that you just need to know me. I need to become the center of your life. And I was like, well, I go to Bible study and <laughs> but at the time, I wasn't really doing my homework. I really wasn't into it. And anyhow, um, so I felt this presence in the room. And um, my prayer was that George would be born alive. And, and so I got that answer. I got to hold him and hug him. And like I told you, I got to tell him I loved him and look into his big blue eyes and his cute little face. Mm. And I actually felt that presence start to leave. And I felt it come off of my chest from my child's body, I felt this presence leave. And I was actually the one to say to the doctor, doctor, I think he's gone. And then of course he took his pulse and pronounced his death. So my prayer back to that was that I was, my prayer was that George would be born alive, but that he wouldn't suffer for a minute. George was born at 412 and died at 427. He lived exactly that 15 minutes that the doctor had promised that there wouldn't be any pain. And it was 
such an answer to prayer because it wasn't that he lived 12 or 13 minutes where we would have felt denied any time with him, but he didn't live 16, 17, 18 minutes where we would have worried that he suffered. So to me, that was a miracle. And to my husband and I, it was just an absolute uh, answer to prayer and a pure blessing. You know, um, I, I want to just mention, because I think sometimes there are people that hear this and, and, uh, you know, I was with a group last night, and part of that, you hear someone else, God, why did they get that and I didn't? And I think even in the death of our children, no matter when it happened or how it happened, so many of us can look back and see God in moments or see God before it happened or see that God's hand was in motion because it didn't happen this way or it didn't happen yeah. then or it. And so I just want to really encourage the listeners right now that if that's how you're feeling, um, well, I did pray and I didn't get my prayer answered to ask God to show you those little kisses that he did give you, because I can pretty much guarantee you there's something there. There's something there within your child's death, whether it was before or during or after that there was a kiss from God for you within that somewhere. I'm so grateful that you brought that point up because the truth is I did feel very guilty and there I am. My, my son only lived 15 minutes and there's other people whose babies passed away, but they got to have days or months or even years with them, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like what I, I think the most important point here is that that loss has nothing to do with the time of uh, length of time that you had with your child. Mm -hmm. um, that to me, and especially as a Christian, life begins at conception. Yes. And why women, I feel, and I believe that God's, and I was, the point that I was going to make is that every woman's journey is different and every woman's experience and family, man, the men are included in that mm -hmm. too. Right? And so what God had planned for me and what he had planned for somebody else are completely different. And you can't, like, I can't look to my friend who had her baby live for three to four months and and say, well, gosh, God, why didn't you let George live three to four months? It's just like, I just have to let that go. And also I have to let go of the fact that I was got that opportunity to look into his big blue eyes and tell him I loved him and other people don't get that opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I, I do want to share with you, I think that, I, I and I don't know at what point, but I believe that God allowed me to experience um, my first pregnancy ended in miscarriage. And my fifth pregnancy ended in the death of my son at birth. And I, and I, my, this is just my thought process. I don't know if God would say this is, but this is what I sense. I sense that God allowed me to have those two different losses. One, the loss of a child in the first trimester. So that when I spoke to a group of people that I could say to the woman who miscarried week eight or six or whatever, that 90% of the grief that I felt with my miscarriage was exactly the same as it was going full term, giving birth to my child and having him die in my arms. And I've kind of thought about that over and over again, like why is that? And I've just come to the fact that God puts it upon a woman's heart, that bond between mother and child starts from the moment you know that you are yes. carrying a child. And that's why I think people are so devastated in different situations when their babies died. Because I could not understand why I was so deeply affected. And I had people say to me, 
Well, and even with George, which I think, you know, they were like, well, you never knew the child, which was such an insensitive thing to say, but people say all kinds of crazy stuff, but it's like, it has nothing to do with that. It's, it's the love that I had for this child and the future that I lost with this child. And this child will always be a part of me, whether I lost this child. child. No, I knew that child. Yeah. I mean, that is a crazy thing to say because no, I know this child, this child is in me. And one thing that God showed me after Becca died, I had never stopped to think about, we know that the child's physical body is in us. And we think about, like you said, the ultrasounds, we can see them, you know, moving around and doing flips and we picture them as happy and blah, blah, blah. But we don't think about their spirit is inside of us. Oh, that is the so very, interesting. The well, spirit of that human being is inside of us. Yes. And that gives us even a spiritual connection with our children that nobody else has. And I asked God to, it's like, okay, God, you just told me that you impressed that on my heart, but I need to see that in scripture. And he just gave me scripture after scripture and story after story where it's all over in the word. And the the interesting thing is that I I think that explains why a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times a mom can sense something, their child can be across the country and it's like, oh, something's wrong. Something's wrong with, you know, my son or my daughter. And I think it's because of that spiritual connection. And I think that's why it's so devastating when that's, that's broken. And and it's interesting to me when you said you felt that leave. Yeah. Because you were so used to feeling George's spirit inside of you that you knew when that spirit left, when you were cut off from that spirit. Yes. And it, remember I told you, it was like, so uh, when he came into the world, I felt this presence come into the room. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was, maybe they came, but it was something beyond George himself. I felt mm-hmm. like, I felt like the angels. Mm-hmm. I really did. I mean, I, I know totally that sounds, it. but it, it, I, it enveloped the entire room. And I felt that the nurses, the doctors, everyone there, there was an unusual peace. Mm-hmm. There wasn't panic. There wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it I, almost I just, sounds like you're describing a sacred moment. Oh, like the you know entrance what? was well also said. the exit. It was yeah. just a sacred moment where he had 15 yeah. minutes to grace this earth and then yeah. he was going. Yeah. Yeah. So it felt to me, my experience was this presence came into the room to greet him and then it, it lifted up and took him with them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what it felt like to me. And yeah. So gosh, you make such a great point about the spirit of the human being inside of you. Cause I never could, I didn't exactly know what that was. Um, and that makes perfect sense to me. Thank you for sharing that with me. The other thing is that later I'd love you to share with me that scriptural reference, because the only thing that I can think of in the Bible is of course, when um, the Exodus from Egypt and the 10 plagues and w- all those horrible things that were sent prior, the nine other plagues and, you know, scabs on the body and locusts and turning mm-hmm. the water into blood and all these horrifying things. Pharaoh didn't let the people go until their firstborn yes. child was killed. Mm-hmm. And there was moaning and groaning. And I mean, the an entire city losing their ch- child. Oh. I mean, it's like, so the Lord, the Lord has said that this is the greatest pain you could ever do to someone. That's true. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's all I was thinking about. But I, I think that 
that that what you said about the spirit makes so much sense. Well, just two off the top of my head, and I'll I'll just share with the listeners in case they don't know. I do have a book, When Tragedy Strikes, and I write about it in the book, and I share all the scriptures that God gave me. But the two off the top of my head is number one, when Elizabeth and Mary met, and remember the babe leapt in Elizabeth's womb. Yes, it contacted the spirit of God in Mary's womb. So there's a spirit to spirit contact from a baby in a womb to another baby in a womb. And then the other one I think of right away is Samson, because remember his mom was not, she had to keep a Nazarite vow while she was carrying him because he was going to be required to like not drink wine. And I think it was not cut his hair and keep all those Nazarite vows. And so she had to keep those Nazarite vows while she was carrying him. Why? I believe because she was carrying his spirit within her. So those are just oh. a couple of examples that come to mind right away. Wow. Thank you. That, that, yeah, I never even thought about that either. This is really telling so, uh, particularly, I'm not as familiar with the Samson story, but for sure, John the Baptist and Jesus mm-hmm. spirit meeting. And yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. So with all this deep thinking, this is good. <laughs> I like this. And I, and yeah. you shared with me, I mean, the whole, th- I'd never thought about, I mean, you do in your head, you think, man, the worst thing that could happen is to lose your child. There's something that just tells you that, but to see, I never realized in the scripture that God's in agreement with that. Okay. We're going to hit the worst of the worst. You're going to start losing your children. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So it's not just something. I, yeah. Wow. This is good. <laughs> Okay, so that was my whole, my whole story about the 15 minutes, but um, moving on to what came out of that. So along with the obvious emotional pain you'd have of losing a child, I experienced some strange and unexpected physical symptoms. My heart literally was in pain. My heart hurt. It felt like I had an open wound that went in from one side of my chest and out the back. And as though I was hit with a cannon or I don't know what it was, like a bullet went through my heart, but it was something bigger than that. It was about the size of my hand. And I felt like I had like an open wound. And the only thing that would make it feel better is if I pushed both my hands against my chest over my heart as though I was stopping bleeding. Mm. I had to push that hard. And so that's one thing that was happening. The second thing that was happening to me was my arms were in a lot of pain. They were aching and no amount of rubbing, massaging, oils, nothing was making that pain go away. Now the pain in my heart was a significant, dull, continuous hurt. I had trouble taking a full breath. I felt very uncomfortable. I, I just, I just, something was wrong. And I'm not one to run into the doctor's um, right away, but if it lasts for a period of time that is, strikes me as unusual, uh, so I uh, probably it persisted for about a week or so or ten days before I went and saw the doctor, and um, I went in uh, complaining of chest pains and uh, explained to my OBGYN what was going on. And by the way, I always have to say I had the most excellent health care and um, I don't fault my doctor at all, but this is 20 years ago. And um, what uh, was happening to me in the condition that I experienced has only been given a clinical diagnosis in the last six to seven years. And I was experiencing something called Takotsubo syndrome or stress-induced cardiomyopathy, which in layman terms is called 
broken heart syndrome. Yes. And, and it has been now given a medical term because it's real. Exactly. But at the time when I went in and was complaining about mm -hmm. this, my doctor basically gave me a pat on the head and then said, oh, honey, you know what? You, you just lost your baby. Your hormones are going crazy. Your milk was coming in. I had all of these crazy things happening. And he said that you're going to have all kinds of strange feelings all throughout your body. And I promise you it'll go away. So I left his office and I was like, okay, not only have I lost my child, but I have now officially lost my mind because this pain feels very, very real to me. And I went home and I had a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. And I felt to myself, you know what? I don't have time for this. I have three kids and I don't have time for this feeling of grief. <laughs> and I thought that I could, I laugh about it now because I thought that I could expedite through right. it, you know, just like if I ignore it or whatever, but I didn't, I couldn't ignore it. But I thought, how can I, how can I get through this quickly? Okay, I know. I'm going to read every book that I can get my hands on about the loss of a child and how to get through this grief. Um, and 20 years ago, by the way, there were not a lot of books about this. But in the books that I did get, I um, kept reading about women who lost a child and they were seeking weighted objects. Um, and what I need to go back and tell you is that uh, along with that, the pain in the heart, which I explained is Taco Subo syndrome. Now what we know about the pain in the arms is I was experiencing something called empty arm syndromes. And it's something that people that aren't in the lost community don't understand or had, has not been given a clinical diagnosis. But just because it hasn't been recognized medically doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Exactly. And many women who lose a child completely understand this. And we call it empty arm syndrome. And it's when your arms are literally aching to hold your child. And so after my son died and I was experiencing these pains, I was in deep depression and I did not I don't know if you've ever been in such a dark place that you kind of don't want to be by yourself. Uh -huh. And um, so I called my dad and I just said, dad, I'm really sad right now. I want to go down to George's grave. This was about two weeks after he died. And I said, would you please meet me there? So my dad got there before me and someone had sent, you know, newly after the passing and the burial and people were still sending things to the gravesite. And someone had sent this beautiful terracotta pot full of flowers. And my dad um, has since passed away, but he was an artist and he had a great appreciation for beautiful things. And he thought that that pot in its of itself was really pretty because there was a filigree around it and um, the flowers were absolutely beautiful. And he was telling me, oh my gosh, you, you can't leave this at the gravesite. You've got to take this home with you. And, and I was just like, oh dad, I don't care about any of that. I just want to stand here and I just want to be quiet and just, I just don't, I just want to be at peace with my son. And you're making a lot of noise about this stupid pot. <laughs> and I realized that if he, the only way I was going to get my dad to be quiet was if I agreed to take the darn pot home. So I said, okay, dad, give me the pot. And so he handed it to me. And the okay, now that, that sounded weird, especially in today's world. Okay, dad, give me the pot. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. No, okay, just, no. Dad, give me the pot. No. I really need to get to send, give me the, um, the, the terracotta. Yes, the there flower. you go. <laughs> yeah. 
You got to be and, careful in today's world how you say that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes, you're right. I didn't even think about that. I'm going to have to be more careful. But okay, so when, when my father handed me this pot of flowers, and the reason that I told you was that I really wasn't interested because it wasn't like I had anything in mind. I was reluctant. I didn't care about it. But the moment that I got that terracotta pot in my arms, immediately, immediately, that aching in my heart and in my arms went away. I am sorry to cut it off here and to stop my discussion with Marcella for this episode, but there's so much more that Marcella shares that it needs to be split into two separate episodes. If what you've heard today has been an encouragement to you, please be sure to share it with others you know who have lost a child. And I also want to remind you to check out our travel schedule on gpshope.org under the Resources tab. And if you see that we are going to be in your area, we would love to spend some time with you, go out for coffee, maybe have lunch or supper, meet at a restaurant somewhere. We love meeting with those of you who are connected to GPS Hope. So if you look at our schedule and see that we're going to be somewhere in your area, go ahead and email us at office at gpshope.org. That'll go to Dave, and he's the one that does all the scheduling, and he'll get a hold of you, and we'll do everything we can to try to get together with you. And hopefully there'll even be an event in your area, and you can come join us there as well. And now let's go on to the birthday segment. First of all, we have Sean Kelly, who was born on February 22nd, and Sean is forever 44 years old. And then we have Dennis Santos, who was born on February 23rd, and Dennis is forever 31. We celebrate with these families the day that Sean and Dennis came into this world and joined the families who love them so much and miss them. I hope you join us next week to hear the rest of what Marcella has to share. After she lost her son, something happened, and it caused something in her life that was very interesting, and it turned into something that she's doing now that is leaving Georgia legacy. I don't want to spoil the surprise if you've never heard of Marcella and what she's doing, but please join us. It will be a good episode to listen to, and I'm sure if you enjoyed her today, you'll continue to enjoy her next week. And let me end by reminding you to hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.